Hey, everybody. I am your host, Felipe. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. With me, as always, is Sean Flannery. But before I go to Sean, let me introduce you our next guest in our Build a Lineup series. It is the one, the only, Jacob Moses. Jacob, how are you doing sure. this morning? I am good, my brothers. Thank you for the invite. I'm excited to be here this morning. Ah, now I got to deal with Sean's shit. I got to deal with him <laughs> enough. Um, <laughs> here we go now. But thank you for having me on. I'm ready to do this. This is a little fun exercise. And I want you to tell people where they can find you, Jacob. I know you have your own podcast as well. Absolutely. My guy, Leon Tompkins, LT. Um, you can catch us in a Ball is Life group. And you can catch our podcast, The Step Back, on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock, sometimes 8 o'clock, whatever we feel like. It's somewhere over in that little zone. We'll window. But yeah, it's somewhere in that little window where we talk about all things basketball. You know, how much the Bulls suck, how much the Knicks are doing well. Go be, like, that's right. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and if I heard correctly, you guys have a pretty cool guest coming on, right? Yes, sir. We got New York Net, I mean, excuse me, New Jersey Net great Kenny Anderson. Queens, get the money. Native, Queens legend. Left rack stand up. I can't wait to have him on, but it's, I'm, I'm just honored that he would even, like, respond to even do it. So I'm pretty hyped up about that. You can catch us Wednesday at 7. Hopefully everybody can join in, get your questions in, because we want to, you know, take advantage of this huge moment, because it's pretty big, especially for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm definitely having to tune in to see that, because I'm excited for it. <laughs> I have to ask, Jacob, how did you get Kenny Anderson? Are you able to share details on that, how you were able to get? Uh, it was, it's, honestly, it was just doing a little marketing. I was like, Kenny Anderson. I knew it was Kenny Anderson. was like growing up in Queens. I knew exactly who he was. And right into, I knew a story, you know, had a whole bunch of stuff going on after basketball, you know, getting into some things, personal things. I was like, you know, I'm going to reach out to this guy. Cause I, I want to, I want to see what's going on, how he's feeling now. And I just messaged him on Twitter and he messaged back. It was during the football season, during the jet mm-hmm. game. See, I had a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I messaged him. I was like, Hey, me and my brother Leon, we would love to have you on our Step Back podcast and to see what you're up to, just talk about basketball, shoot the shit. And he was like, absolutely, I would, I would want to do it. And I just kind of like set me back. And I'm like, what? He really answered? So it's wow. just the luck of a draw. Like, you just don't know. I mean, hey, does it hurt to try? Yeah, it doesn't hurt I mean, to try. It doesn't hurt to try. You, you, what, what is it? You're not in it. You, you, you can only win it if you're in it. So great job there, Jacob. Wow, that's very bold of you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I know this is not gonna, not? Be, not gonna be our first time having guests on these life group podcasts. I know we had Buff Backwell before, and uh, oh yeah, that, that was, was great. interesting. <laughs> that, was, that was great. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anybody remember that number? <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, it's it's in that video, man. You guys go to Wrestling Life. Oh man, find that uh, video. Just type in Buff Bagwell, and uh, he should. It's on YouTube as well. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, and on YouTube and under our life group uh, mm-hmm. podcast flag. So yeah, go check out that. Uh, crazy zany video uh catch him at his mailbox (laughs) catch him at his mailbox catch him at his mailbox he's waiting for a fight so well we're in a fight all this is a a three of a triple threat match between jacob and sean and uh, before i go sean how you doing this morning oh i am i'm awesome i'm just woke up but uh, i'm ready to go awesome well let's get going as you guys know we've been doing the uh the Build a Lineup series, we uh, take six teams, and uh, we have brought in a special guest every week. Last week, we had Leon Tompkins, who was the other, like uh, Jacob mentioned, he's the other half of the Step Back podcast. So you guys see a, 
a trend here as uh, I figure I, I invited Leon. Let's just invite Jacob and have the three Mets fans on this show. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, no. I love me some Mets players for fantasy and, and, and real baseball-related uh, instances, and this is this is part of it. So without further ado, like I said, we get to six teams, right? So this week, it's the Mariners, the Mets, the Giants, the Cubs, the Padres, and the Rockies. And Jacob, Sean, and I, we try to build our best lineup that we can from those six rosters. So let me know if you guys can see my screen here as I share the yes. big spreadsheet. Yep. Yes, sir. And this week, I, I went ahead and highlighted uh, Jacob DeGrom because uh, Jacob Moses, as you can see, Jacob's Jokers, had the first pick this week. So uh, number one pick overall, the Mets, fans gets, the Mets fan gets the guy, the number one Mets player. Uh, how do you feel about that, Jacob? I feel great. Anytime I can get the best pitcher in baseball, I have no problem with doing so. Um, you know you know what you're going to get out of Jake. You know, Plus, you know, over 10 wins, should be 20 each year, but you're going to get a yeah, lot of strikeouts. Strike out the, you know, walk ratio is always good. You know, he puts in the work, gets his innings, and I'm, I'm ecstatic, man. It was good to good to start it off with him. That's a very good start. You can't do better than that. I mean, this was a pretty uh, a top-heavy, uh, deep oh, yeah. starting pitching uh, selection, but Jacob DeGrom was, like, the clear number one, the one of ones. Uh, I guess the only thing we, could, we have to ask Sean here is uh, – it seems like a dumb question, but it's it's an ebb and flow to uh, professional sports. We see it in football. We see it in basketball. We definitely see it in baseball, where uh, where one year you're at top of the of the list of um, pitchers, and the next year you're somewhere middle tier, especially with the starting pitchers list always being so volatile. Sean, is Jacob DeGrun still the number one pitcher, and do you see him finishing as a number one pitcher at the end of 2021? Yeah, I, I could very well still see that. One, uh, he's one guy I'm not worried about when it comes to the innings limits that we're likely to see in baseball throughout this year. I mean, even guys that are going to be stalwarts, you know, the aces of their team, I wouldn't be shocked if they throw 175 innings. Walker Bueller, I mean, is still young, and he's still barely thrown, I think, more than 160 in a year. Um, and then coming off the short season – um, you have some teams like the Mariners, who is in our lineup today. Uh, they're going to a six-man rotation. I think yeah. we're going to see a lot of teams go to a six-man rotation, whether for the full season, if they have enough depth for it, or throughout maybe the middle months, the dog days of summer, and then try and transition back. Um, in that transition, going to pitching every fifth day instead of, or you know, every sixth day. Uh, that could mess up a lot of starters. So uh, it's a balance where these uh, organizations are going to have to manage the health and the productivity of their starters. Um, Jacob DeGrom, I think they're going to stick with a five-man rotation. I think they have the depth to do it. Uh, Noah Syndergaard come back in early June, late May possibly. I, I think Jacob DeGrom is going to be the guy that's there the whole year, though. And we know what he is. He's a proven commodity. And then uh, you went with you, Darvish. But before we get to you, Darvish, with your pick, Sean, uh, you spoke of six-man rotations. Right now, according to roster resource, my Cubs, my Chicago Cubs, are also on a six-man rotation after they had signed Jake Arrieta. Now, let me ask you both. <laughs> let me ask you both, gentlemen. Uh, Jacob, starting with you, if if you knew that Jake Arrieta was available uh, for these six teams, would you have picked them up on your team? Yes or no? <sighs> I would have to go no because it's downtrend. It just didn't look too good. Yeah. So I would 
elsewhere. I just I don't see it for your Cubs, man. I don't know why they even. They must have been desperate. It must have been nobody in your farm system. Well, they, I mean, their starting pitching I, staff last time I looked was looking me, rough. I, man, it's about decimated. What, Albert Alzale was like SP number four. I can't even yeah. remember who was SP number five. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's uh, – so I take Sean wouldn't all, would also not take Jake Arrieta if no. you wrote it. I, okay. I would still take my prospect that I picked, who we'll talk about later. So the oh, yeah, Trevor, yeah, Trevor Williams was in yeah, there. Oh, Tre- God. So here it is. It's Kyle Hendricks at the top, which, okay, okay you want to rebuild. You want to get rid of you, Darvish, who we're going to get to in a little bit because Sean just picked them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to okay, you want to get rid of him? That's fine. You, you bring in Zach Davies, who's just another uh, uh, a clone of Kyle Hendricks, but not as good. That's fine. Alec Mills, and then you bring in Trevor Williams, and like Sean mentioned, Advert Alzale uh, as your uh, long-term project at the number five spot. That's fine. You want to rebuild? You want to rebuild. And then they bring in Jake Arrieta, and I don't understand. I thought they were trying to rebuild, and now they're bringing in a guy who – how much was he, $8 million? Or, or? Something, six and a half or eight, six something like that. that doesn't mean, I don't get it. I, just, I thought they were trying to quit. Is this a sentimental uh, uh, signing here? And I mean, it's like they want to rebuild, but they don't want to rebuild all the way through because they keep signing all these, um, all these uh, you know, players that should be – probably on good teams providing depth, you know, like mm-hmm. jo- Jack Peterson should be with the Tampa Bay Rays right now, for example. I don't know. And I don't know. I it, thought St. Just... Louis was a good fit for him. Yeah. So... Yeah. Or the Angels. They have though, don't they? They have, to, like, they have a million outfielders out there. Yeah, but none of them are really good. <laughs> Harrison Bader can field, but he can't hit. Tyler O'Neill can hit for power, but he can't hit the ball. And uh, what was the other Speed, guy? Though. Lane Thomas. Yeah, like but, he's a fourth outfielder, a Dexter Fowler. They finally got rid of. Um, I mean, well, before you go on, Sean, this is why. This is why. Um, when you see all these projections, and it's it, on paper, just on first glance, you look at these five teams in the NL Central, and you see that the Cardinals should be automatically winning that division. And then Sean goes, "Way up, well, their outfielders suck, though, so they're not very good." And this is why. You I see, mean, like, defensively, it's a good outfield. So, like, yeah, if you're going to be good at something, you might as well be good at defense. They got yeah. defensive speed. Oh, yeah, Dylan Carlson. That was the other outfielder. I'm sorry. Top prospect. Yeah, Duh. So the, yeah they're top prospect. They're all bad. And this is why we saw Dakota projections saying that the, the Cardinals are not going to win the Central and that it should be either the Brewers or the Cubs with the Brewers at the top spot. And I've seen other uh, projections where it's a lot closer than many people uh, like to admit to it. Uh, so we'll see. But it's like the Cubs are like in that middle of the road. Like, should we compete? Should we not compete? We're still signing some players here and there. But it, I don't know. It, it's just it's just so confusing. Well, anyway, I, I don't want to get on a, a tangent about the Cardinals, but I've just pulled up their roster resource and they're five through nine in the or five through eight in the lineup. Nobody has a projected on base higher than 318 and the highest slugging is 438. And that includes all three of their outfielders and Yadier Molina. So there's a chance for the Cubs to sneak in with uh, Jake Arrieta as your game two starter in the playoffs this upcoming postseason. Oh, I, I promise I'm not laughing. Yeah. Uh, so so now we go back to you, Darvish, former Cub, uh, who if he were on this team, I'd feel a lot more comfortable about the 2021 20, prospect season or projected season. But I'm just kind of left scratching my head after they traded him to the Padres. And the Padres look very good in that rotation. Uh, is there any little tidbit that we should know about you, Darvish, before we move on? Because, I mean, he's also a known commodity as well. Yeah, so. I mean, at the beginning of 2019, he had that stretch of really till, what, June 
where he had a walk per nine, like over four and a half or five. Um, And then it just like on the flip of a dime, he command was there. He was striking out 11 K per nine and he was just dominant. And that carried over into 2020 in which, you know, the 2020 NL Cy Young was really any man's trophy this year. It could have gone to Darvish. It could have gone to DeGrom. It could have gone to Bauer. Um, Darvish, I think, actually led all of the National League in uh, Fangraphs war. So kudos to him for that. Uh, but with Jacob DeGrom off the board, um, I'm skeptical of both Denelson Lamette, who you ended up picking, I'm skeptical of his health and his overall arsenal and how it profiles as an ace. Uh, Blake Snell is another guy who I thought was a bit risky, so that's why I went with you, Darvish. Yeah, and I, I'm not—I wasn't too happy with the Blake Snell, the Nelson Lamed back-to-backs, but considering, like I said, it's very uh, top-heavy at the—you uh, know—with Jacob Degrom having his own couple two tiers at the top, and then you Darvish, and then it's just a mixed bag of uh, uh, of what could be good to great pitchers, but they have so many question marks. Even Blake Snell, as many as much as people like to feel sorry for him for being uh, yanked out in that game against the, the Dodgers last year, uh, I mean that was more of an anomaly of him having a really good uh, performance in that playoff game, uh, game six of the World Series, uh, as opposed to what kind of season he had. I mean, the, the strikeouts were there, but he also came in with a FIP of 4.35, for the Rays last year, he also struggled a bit. He also uh, kept failing to go more than five innings in most in a lot of his starts. Uh, so it's a lot of a lot of worries there. But he is a former Cy Young candidate, and compared to everybody else, he seemed to be the best pitcher that was available to me. So I went ahead and grabbed him, and then I went with Denelson Lamette, who you mentioned, who I like a lot. There is a lot to be desired for. Uh, there's still some a little bit of command issues that I have problems with, but when he's on his A game. He's very hard to you, – you can't – you sometimes can't do better than Nelson Lamette when he's on his A game. So, And he's with a really good Padres team. So the wins, the strikeouts, they're all going to be there, I believe. So, uh, And then we went ahead. So we went four consecutive San Diego Padres pitchers here with, and with you picking Chris Paddock, who's listed as a number five. Yeah, starter. I think they're going to have a pretty good pitching staff, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I don't know if they're, if they're Dodgers good, but, I mean, Chris Paddock is your number five starter for the Padres. That's crazy to think that your your uh, number one most established prospect, pitching prospect, is now your number five starter after all these moves were made. And that's uh, not even taking into account Mackenzie Gore, and mm. Mackenzie who Gore's is really- the bona fide top pitching prospect in all of baseball. Yeah, and, and now and has no, and he's pitched in Double A AA and Triple A, and now he has nowhere to go because he's completely <laughs> blocked. It's and, crazy. Yeah, and you saw the uh, giveaway, Luis Patino as well, who we who uh, we mentioned in our first uh, our first uh, episode of this series uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays. So Chris Paddock still has a deadly changeup, considered one of the best in the game. But what's holding him from besides the names on the on the roster? They're sharp. What's holding him back from being like a top of the rotation starting pitcher here? Well, like you said, he always will have that great changeup. Um, in 2020, what we fell into a lot of issues with with Chris Paddock is the walks were still, you know, well in line. He's a very good command pitcher. I believe on one of the episodes here recently, we actually went back and looked at his minor league numbers and in the, the seasons he put up in the minor leagues, his walk to strikeouts was like historically good. Like him, Shane Bieber, and one or two other guys in the minor leagues had the best years for walks and strikeouts. 
but his fastball took a step back. And yeah. when he's not locating that fastball, it gets Wednesday hard. Nights. It gets hit very hard. He had a 1.67 home runs per nine over the last two seasons. Um, and when he just has those two pitches, uh, I'm, he came into spring training in 2020 before he got shut down. And everyone was talking about this new curveball he was throwing. And it ended up to be much ado about nothing. He barely threw it. When he did, it just looked kind of loopy. It wasn't very good. So until he gets a, you know, bona fide third pitch, I don't, I don't like him as my number two on this team. I probably could have picked Hendricks above him just on merit alone. Yeah. But um, I think Paddock gets you more strikeouts. He protects you just as much in walks and your ratios for whip, but he is going to have a higher ERA. Uh, I got to ask you who uh, Daniel Samick, what, what, what fan is he of? Uh, do you know uh, he, oh, he's a, player? he's a Braves fan. Oh, okay. That explains it. I mean, like, I, I, I know he's a friend of yours. I just, I couldn't remember what, which, uh, which team he roots for. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just laughing at these comments. Blake Snell is the best <laughs> pitcher in the league at playing MLB the show. So, <laughs> so there you go. He um, did win the uh, MLB players league. Of course he did. Yeah. yeah. He ran through them like hot knife through butter. Yeah, kind of making up for the fact that he uh, gave the World Series away, right? So, uh, moving on to Marcus Stroman as Jacob goes back to back Mets, actually back to back to back to back Mets. He's picking back all the to back. Here. Marcus Stroman and Carlos Carrasco back to back for Jacob. Uh, tell me what you like about those two guys right there, Jacob. You're gonna get, especially with Stroman, you're gonna get the innings. And I mean, Sean went back and forth. He's like, oh, Trevor Bauer. He had we Trevor Bauer. Honestly, wasn't that much better than. Besides his 2020, wasn't that much better than Marcus Stroman. Let's be real. Stroman's going to get you the innings. He had a year off. So, you know, <laughs> he should be pitching a lot this year. Um, and also, you know, he, he can be a strikeout guy. He'll get you a strikeout, what you need. You know, he doesn't walk many. And plus, I like I know this doesn't count to anything, but he's, fire, he's, he's firing on the mound. You know, he gets me going when he gets on the mound. And you know he's going to compete. You know, not the biggest guy, but hey, he can still pitch. You know, three good pitches, his fastball, changeup, his slider, he's getting there. Um, and with Carrasco, he could be it's another top of the line guy. He was the one pretty much after Bieber. Mm-hmm. He was solid. You know, he'll get you, you know, I'm big on ERA. <laughs> really big on it. Uh he'll get you, you know, he can stay in the low to mid threes, which we're gonna need, plus city field, still a pitcher's ballpark. He's going to stay there. He'll He's another strikeout pitcher as well. And with my catcher, James McCann, I think he's going to he's gonna do pretty well. So I like them both. I've always liked Carlos Carrasco. It's a damn shame oh, what happened uh, to his career. As uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he had so much promise. And then uh, was it last year or two years ago that he uh, succumbed to uh, chemotherapy and mm-hmm. uh, uh, cancer, I believe? Leukemia, I yeah. believe? Yep. And uh, he, I mean, he fought his way back, and we'll see what happens in New York. Like you said, it, I think he is one of the most underrated, underrated. pitchers of the last mm-hmm. five or six years because yeah. in his heyday was also Corey Kluber's heyday. Yeah, and I don't think people realize that if you go back and you look at the uh, top pitching rankings from like 2014 to 2018 in terms of uh, Fangraphs War, uh, he is right there at number seven. Between 2014 and 2018, the only people in front of him, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Jacob DeGrom, and Justin Verlander. That's it. 
Those are the only, and he has a lower ERA than uh, Verlander over that time period. So, I mean, he was elite, higher than Steven Strasburg, higher than David Price, higher than Jake Arrieta. People slept on Carlos Carrasco because he wasn't the best pitcher on his team. He was really, really good. I mean, insanely good. Okay, over 10 per nine, walks barely over two, wasn't giving up that many home runs. Now the stuff is a little bit diminished. He gives up more home runs, but the strikeouts are still there. He's got an absolutely wicked curveball. I love the Carrasco pick. If he, if Jacob didn't pick him, I was going to pick him up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, con- the only other concern for him is that he'll be 34 when the season yeah. starts. So, and again, he's, re- he's still recovering from all his ailments and, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's well, I mean, if you're able to get Carlos Carrasco, I'm pretty sure you'll get him at a very deep discount. Yeah. Uh, Compared to on, prior years. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to Kyle Hendricks. Uh, well, this is a very uh, interesting pick because he, he's now the ace of the pitching staff on a really tumultuous team. Uh, Sean, uh, I'm pretty sure you picked him just based on his track record, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think people it, – it's so funny when you look at Kyle Hendricks' projections like – anywhere so any of the ones on fan graphs it's they always expect him to come out with some like four and a half or 4.1 era and it's like since 2015 the highest his era has been is 3.95 and he's had three year or two years of under three well under three and then two right at three and a couple at three four um he is just a master of limiting hard contact the master of weak contact I said this in a group chat not that long ago, and I basically said Mike Soroka's 90% outcome is what Kyle Hendricks is now. And I thought that was a pretty good comp. Um, Kyle Hendricks very much could be trade bait this year. Uh, He is on a team-friendly deal. The Cubs are looking like they want to dismantle, but like you said, they, they can't make up their mind about it. But if at the deadline they're out of contention, uh, Hendricks is very one of those guys that could get moved. Uh, sorry, guys, I got distracted. Uh, Why <laughs> sent me a video right now, and I and just I mean I don't know for some reason I felt like I had to see it. <laughs> I, just, I just missed my baby taking her first crawling steps. Oh, oh, oh man! Yeah. Bring her onto the show. She can do uh, it on the show. Well, these are the sacrifices we make, right? Love of baseball. Wow. And she's been trying for months now. And she's, I think she finally got the gist of it. So. Oh, yeah. It starts to get fun. Yeah, she's been crawling backwards, by the way. So yep, now that's where they start. Yes, they start backwards. They, they start rocking, going backwards, and forward starts. And then it's over, Felipe. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, Kevin Gossman. Oh, by the way, uh, I want to say a, a quick hello to Corey Richmond, who's, on, who's listening. Uh, and uh, giving a big shout out to Jacob for bringing in Kenny Anderson to the Step Back Basketball Podcast. Thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, oh, and now uh, you can listen to Corey Richman on his podcast Thursday nights uh, over at Wrestling Life, the Work Street Podcast. Um, as uh, I don't know what's going on in wrestling anymore, I'm, I'm lost. Uh, but that's why I have Corey Richman tell me what, where to go and what to see and what to look for. <laughs> Kevin Gossman, uh, he's a guy that I really like coming into last year. I believe I ended up having him in all my teams last year. And uh, I figured we might as well have him on this team as well, because one of the rules that we have here, guys, as you guys saw me time and time again, tell you, make sure that every team is represented. So I got my, my giants pick out of the way, but this one's a solid one to see. I thought he had a wonderful year last year. 
uh, hell is on against tough competition like the like the Padres and the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. There was one game against the Dodgers where he just – I forgot who he, he was pitching against, but I remember that he did not uh, get torched like all the other teams were getting torched by the Dodgers. So I, thought, <laughs> I saw that as a good sign. He'll be pitching in San Francisco. which He is gave up good. five runs instead of nine runs. We're so no, proud of I him. He, I, I could have sworn he only gave up like a run and struck Maybe. out like I, I think I remember the start as well. Something crazy like that. And that's when I knew, like, yep, this is my guy. I know there was a little hiccup at the end. I think he got hurt. Uh, elbows. I don't know. I forgot. It's 2020 <laughs> seems like a decade ago at this point. <laughs> but Gossman is back uh, with San Francisco in that very pitcher, pitching-friendly ballpark. So I'm, I, I can't believe – well, when, when you have a bunch of Mets fans on, they're going to, you know, skip on it. <laughs> Oops, wrong thing. Okay, so next up, Noah Syndergaard. And, uh, yeah, why are you picking Noah Syndergaard? Well, it's because I got two other Mets fans on the uh, on this. Uh, of course you did. On this little experiment here, this little exercise. And I and as you guys saw, even in the other league, in the uh, in our fan tracks league, the Baseball Life uh, Fantasy Baseball League, I made sure to pick up Noah Syndergaard as quickly as possible because there's a, a lot of Mets fans in that one. So I'm, I'm very proud of myself. Eh? Oh yeah. The draft that you were living rent free in my head. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't, to- don't even remind me. <laughs> a call back to season one. Good job, Sean. Yeah. We, we go by seasons. Welcome to season two of the, of the total basis podcast. Good callback. But Syndergaard is always a guy I've been enamored with. I've loved this kid since or kid. He's about to be 30, but I love this guy since, Forever now, I've been keeping tabs on him, and anytime I can get him on my team, I'm always trying to get him on my team. And this one is no different. As uh, I'm hoping that he will have a uh, what? What would you say, Sean? Let me be uh, by a May first uh, start. Uh, possibly they they kept saying June, but then they said ahead of schedule before saying that it's probably June. June, but uh, I'm expecting mid May. I'm expecting him to make his return, and it, it might be a little uh, coincidental, but it might come at the same time, almost to the day of his major league debut, which was also against the Cubs oh, in yeah. mid-May. Well, that would be very poetic, very uh, what do you call it, serendipitous here. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, before I move forward to uh, Sean's pick of Herman Marquez, just letting you guys know that I am. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, and I am. Drinking some of Henry's Coquito here. So, hey. <laughs> my wife told me that might as well drink up before I go shovel snow because I did not get a chance to do it yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a long day for me. Anyway, Herman Marquez, your Rockies representative. Uh, but he's a good one, right, Sean? He's still yeah, good. He, he's, he's a good one. Uh, he is just, you know, he's a Colorado Rockies starting pitcher. So, uh, you run into some issues, obviously. <laughs> In 2020, it was just another microcosm of his entire career, essentially. Um, In 43 innings on the road, Herman Marquez had a 201 batting average against, 257 on base against, 335 slugging, um, which was good for a 2.06 ERA. At home, uh, Coors Field, his ERA was over 5.5, and hitters batted 300 against him. I'll give him credit for this. They only slugged 414, which isn't crazy high for Coors Field. Um, but for his career, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. He has a three-and-a-half ERA on the road, over five at home. So he's a guy in a weekly league that if you see him pitching on the road, I plug him in. If I see him pitching at home, 
uh, I try and find somebody else. <laughs> it, it's he, okay. The Rockies are trading people. They need to trade Herman Marquez. Yes. If uh, they trade Herman Marquez, I have several shares in several leagues. Um, I'd, I'd be ecstatic. And he's a very good pitcher. He's got one of the best breaking pitches in baseball. He's got a, a good fastball. It's not great. It probably could be better. Um, he has good command for someone who kind of throws the ball as hard as he does. And the delivery is a little high effort, but he's never posted a walks per nine higher than 2.7. So that's pretty good. Um, I, I, I really like him, but he just needs to get the hell out of Colorado. <laughs> Quick question for you, uh, Sean, uh, as uh, Corey, again, from the wrestling podcast, the worksheet podcast, I has a question about COVID. It's COVID related. Um, with a shorten or stop season because of COVID, how would you handle scoring this season in fantasy leagues? Same as last year with Roto category system. Um, I don't know. Would you like what would you take a crack at that one, Sean? I I know in our 30 team that Jacob Moses has now joined us in. Um, best right. of luck to him. I will crush yeah. you. Um, <laughs> we went from a daily points where you could plug in whoever because obviously we couldn't get 30 matchups in in a seven and a half week season. Um, but this year we're going back to our old rules. Um, we've seen the NFL play a full season. We're seeing the NBA get about halfway through their full season. Um, I'm not expecting MLBs to be shortened. Uh, well, there might be some games not played because it doesn't matter in the end, possibly. Um, uh, but I'm, I, I think we handle this as business as usual in terms of scoring. That's what we're going back to. No, that's what I would think too. Maybe add a couple more injury injury uh, IR slots. Yeah, IR slots. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and even then, I mean, I, I know in our league, Sean, we added like a bunch last year, and I, yeah. I feel like that's too much. But I know with COVID, it makes everything unpredictable. But we'll see. Uh, I think we'll. Sean and I, we still have to uh, hash out our rules for the upcoming season. So, but uh, yeah, I I think there. I mean, we like I said, there's going to be more tracking according to Major League Baseball. There's going to be more stricter protocols, and I think uh, I think teams seeing that at least players seeing how serious this stuff is, uh, they're not going to be tempted to go to casinos or to the Ozarks or to water parks or or bars in, in states. <laughs> strip clubs, yeah, you get those chicken wings. So at least that's the hope, right? That's the hope. Henry uh, wanted to remark about Hendricks, uh, Kyle Hendricks. Henry, you can listen to him on the on Dong City. Uh, next Monday, they just had their episode this past Monday. I still say they should go every week, man. The uh, baseball offseason is just bananas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's just me. What scares me about Hendricks, Henry says, is where he slots and he's going up against other aces. Um, it is what it is, right, Sean? I mean, at least, at least he, he'll be he'll be among the healthier options among the so-called aces, right? Yeah, I mean, he will, and he's probably the most uh, consistent in terms of making his starts, getting his innings. I mean, the only thing with Hendricks is when you pick him in fantasy, you're not picking him for the strikeouts. Uh, you you got to find somebody else down the line to pick up you some strikeouts. But in terms of ERA and a whip, I mean, there's not much many, you know, pitchers better than him and consistent yeah. as him. And if you're in a score and if you're in a points league, I mean, those innings, they add up yeah. to points as well. So, mm -hmm. all right. Uh, we go to Jacob now, Zach Davies, Marco Gonzalez, a couple of uh, pitch to contact pitchers. Mm -hmm. 
after picking Jacob DeGrom and Carlos Carrasco, you went on a different approach. What's why the difference in approach there, Jacob? <laughs> That's the only ones I can really think of. <laughs> Let's keep it real. <laughs> no, but um, Zach Davies, I like because he's a, I like guys that throw sinkers consistently, and he's a sinker changeup kind of guy. And it actually helped him, and I believe it bumped up his strikeout ratio when he went to the Padres. And he looked good. I mean, his FIP was the best in his career. Look at me using those damn ma- metrics. Look at you. Look at, We're rubbing well, off. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. No, but actually the best in his career. Strikeouts went up. Um, like I said, pitched the contact. And I like him. Zach Davies, he really turned his career around, honestly. I And I picked up on it. And Marcos Gonzalez, he was the best pitcher on the Mariners staff. I, I mean, his ERA, he kept it under four <laughs> for being what he was. So, I was like, ah, it was either him or I was going to go with Dunn. Mm, but wow. I was like, I was, I was like, no, let me just pick up the more short thing. I know I'm going to get, you know, innings out of him. His strikeouts will be okay. You know, like I said, his ERA won't be ballooned. But Marcos <laughs> Gonzalez, as I'm not gonna lie, that I didn't know too much. I knew about him, but not that much to go. Yay, Marcos Gonzalez. Marco Gonzalez is a hidden little gem, I think, mm-hmm. that people are starting to pick up on in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because not only are you know his is his metrics, you know, like war is pretty good. Like over the last three mm-hmm. seasons since 2018, um, he's been a 9.2 war pitcher. That's solid. That's a little over three war a year. Uh, but also over that same time span, and this is what kind of propelled him onto uh, draft boards. I see you sipping on that Coquito, Felipe. Um, <laughs> in 2019, he won 16 games. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the pitcher win is starting to lose value by the minute. Mm-hmm. But in, you know, in, in a Roto League, I mean, a win is a win, and he had 16 of them out of 34 starts. I mean, he doesn't get you strikeouts. He's very much like Kyle Hendricks in that regard. I was just going to ask you that. I was just going to ask you that. Is uh, is he the left-handed version of Kyle Hendricks? Yeah, I I would say so. (laughs) I I think Hendricks' results are a little bit more believable in terms of, you know, inducing the weak contact, keeping it on the ground. Uh, Marco Gonzalez has seen his ground ball percentage go down about four and a half points every single year since 2018. So he's relying more and more on fly ball outs. But they got a young outfield out there, you know, some guy named Jared Kalenic. I, I don't know. Who, who is he? No, uh, my guy. Yeah. Another guy. Uh, I, Kyle I sure Lewis. I, they got a lot of – they got a speedy little outfield. Their defense should be good. Uh, yeah. Marco Gonzalez, like I said, he's the hidden pearl in this uh, very top-heavy dra- uh, pitching draft class we had to pick from. Next up is Logan Gilbert. I'm assuming he's with the Padres, right, Sean? No, he is with the Mariners. He's one of the oh, Mariners. Okay. Uh, him and George Kirby, depending on who you ask, are the top pitching prospects for the Seattle Mariners. Gilbert is a little bit closer. He's one of the those guys who we talked about before with extremely good command. Um, he could debut this year up in the uh, at the alternate site in 2020. Uh, there were rumors that he had jumped up from throwing like 91 to 93, and he's a big guy. He's six six, um, two twenty. Uh, Cam Newton six. Cam Newton, 6'6", 230. Oh, God, I can't even – oh, God. Anyway, um, yeah, he was hitting like 95 consistently and topping out at 97, and he's never posted a, a walks per nine higher than 
Uh, great command guy, never posted the ERA in the threes so far. 2019 was his full, first full year, and he threw 130-plus innings. So I, I, I dig it. I think he's going to be the guy who makes his debut the soonest and uh, kicks some bum like Justin Dunn to the bullpen. Wow. <laughs> Why you got to say all that? <laughs> Moving on to Joe Musgrove. Uh, Joe Musgrove is a guy that kind of came onto the scene late last season, I, I feel like. Um, but when he did come on, he kind of uh, surprised a lot of people and, and surprised them enough where a lot of the experts are moving uh, moving him up the rankings, especially after he got traded to the Padres. So um, consider me uh, buying into the Joe Musgrove train. Quickly, uh, from here, we moved on to outfield, right? We decided to just go outfield. Or I decided to go outfield because yeah. I had the choice to do so. Or we went to, yeah, yeah, outfield, yeah, yeah. outfield, outfield. And with my back-to-back pick, I ended up going with Michael Conforto because, again, I got. First of all, I think he is the the best outfielder in this group and the, with these teams. But I also know that if I let Conforto go to the two Mets fans, they're gonna be <laughs> it's over. Cat fighting it out amongst themselves. Conforto I mean, we were a, already cat fighting over Brandon Nemo. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Conforto had a, a, a breakout of sorts in uh, what was it, 2019 or even maybe 2020. Uh, but it seems like he has finally clicked after showing so much promise early on in his career. So I want to be on that uh, Michael Conforto uh, peak or uh, prime uh, years of his career. I want to be in the middle of it right now. Mike Yastrzemski, MVP candidate from last year for the Giants, uh, went to Sean. Uh, anything, any quick quick tidbit about Mike Yastrzemski? So, yeah, of all center fielders in 2020, um, it was a – they were led by a guy named Mike in a uh, fan graphs war and, and not that bum in LA. It was Mike Yastrzemski. Mike Yastrzemski led all center fielders in fan graphs war last year. Um, he was second overall in all out filters. The only person that beat him was Mookie Betts at three. Mike Yastrzemski's 2.6. He had a 400 on base percentage, 568 slugging 159 WRC plus was, was actually 10 points ahead of Mookie Betts. Um, and only three points behind the venerable Mike Trout. So, uh, Yaz is Yaz Junior is getting slept on. They need to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Yaz Junior, that's his grandfather, man. What, Yaz the third. <laughs> and then uh, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob, going back to back here with Charlie Blackman and Brandon Nimmo. Gosh, damn it, Charlie Cobb Blackman living up to his damn middle name, <laughs> killing it. No, Charlie Blackman, I've always liked. You know, he hits for a decent. You know, for a decent average, you know, get you power. He actually drove in 42 runs last year. Um, I could have sworn he still bases, but I must be losing my mind. No, he he, he stopped running. He used to okay. be like a 20, that, 30 stolen base. That's what but I thought. In I'm 2019, like, he just stopped running. He's slow as hell. What, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, plus playing in Colorado, you can't really go wrong with that. Uh, Charlie Blackman, he, he gets it done. He's going to be a huge part in that lineup, obviously. No Daniel Murphy. No Arenado. Henry's guy, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it's just going to be him, but I still think he's going to produce Brandon Nemo. What can he say? And Sean's guy, we've been high on him, begging for the Mets to finally bring him up, give him the playing time. What's Sean's favorite thing? OBP. And that's what Brandon Nemo does. He, he gets on base, you know, he can, I wish he would run more to be honest, because it's not like he's slow out there. He can swipe, you know, 15 to 20 if he wanted to. 
He works um, so hard to get on base. He just doesn't yeah, want to give it away that, with a for true. a 70% stolen you, base you rate. Not, Come on now. He's good for like eight to nine pitches per at bat for him. Yep. And plus the smile, man. He's always happy. I call him Golly Nemo for a reason. Like, <laughs> he's straight out of Mayberry. I mean, he cannot get any better than Brandon Nemo. But yeah, he's he's good. And for fantasy purposes, it's somebody you're going to want because he walks a lot as well. So plus give him that on a full-time basis and we'll see what happens. But I think he'll do well. Moving on to Trent Grisham. I know that's one of Sean's guy. He's been hyping him up uh, since season one of this podcast. Uh, and I'm assuming you're expecting more of the same for Trent Grisham, right, Sean? Yes. As uh, Jacob said, you know, I wish Brandon Nimmo would run a little bit more. Well, you know who Brandon Nimmo is that runs a little bit more. His name's Trent Grisham. Yep. He, he had 10 home runs, 10 stolen bases, uh, 12.3 walk percentage, which is, you know, slightly behind Nimmo's at 14.7. Um, he got off to a really hot start, um, was batting around like 290, 300, and then kind of tailed off in the second half of the year, which brought the overall numbers down. Um I mean, Tatis kind of went through the same thing. They both got moved down the lineup because of it. But um, Trent Grisham's got a great skill set. His defense is going to keep him in the game no matter what. Um, He draws his walks. He hits for power. He steals bases. So, basically, he's Brandon Nimmo that steals. So, when when, uh, Jacob took Brandon Nimmo, I said, thank you very much. You're allowing me to get the better person anyway. So. Ian Happ went after that to my team, along with Jared Klenick, who you just mentioned. Uh, Jared Klenick is someone I draft in all my leagues, especially in my uh, keeper and, yeah, well, mostly keeper leagues. But, yeah, if there's a minor league slots that I can hide him into, I will definitely pick Jared Klenick, and he's getting closer and closer to getting called up. So I'm definitely, if I'm in yearly leagues, I'm definitely uh, moving him up my draft sheet and make sure that he ends up on my team. Because once he becomes available and he gets called up by the Mariners, which I feel like that's going to happen sooner rather than later, uh, he's going to be a hot commodity and you're going to miss out on what could be a very special player. Ian Happ is a former first round pick. Uh, looks like he's finally, finally coming onto his own. Uh, still strikes out too much, but the walk rate uh, went back up to 13% in a shortened season. Hoping more of the same for him next year and uh, hoping for, for him to continue giving us a uh, high on base percentages. You uh, know who he reminds me of? Uh, Michael Contour. Max Muncy. Oh, wow. well, that'd, be, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I feel that there's a big Max Muncy vibe with Ian Happ. I like that one. And I'm in a 15-team OBP league, that relegation league I was just talking about. It's yeah. a lot of the names I've just mentioned here, Brandon Nemo, Ian Happ, Michael Conforto, all guys I've picked. Um, so I'm really excited for Happ. Uh, Felipe, in the Baseball Life League, do you have Jared Klenick as one of your minor leaguers? Yeah, you know I do, man. Okay, that's what I thought. Best yeah, I that's I, I knew I hated you for a reason. No, man. I, mean, I, I, do my, I do my homework, man. You, you got to be like three steps ahead of me. <laughs> but yeah, in 2019, he jumped three levels. Klenick did all the way from low A to double A, uh, posted an OPS over 900, uh, 23 home runs, 20 stolen <sighs> bases. Yeah, f- Jacob, I'm right there with you, man. Like at the time, it wasn't a bad deal. This guy had never played a game above rookie ball. I mean, he hadn't played one, but it's – it's a tough pill to swallow now for a Mets fan. So it, it. it's a hard knock come life. On, come on, PCA. It long and hard. Come on, PCA. <laughs> as Just long as out. Edwin Diaz records a strikeout for the last out of while we win a World Series, it's worth it. It's fine. It's worth yeah. it. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, we, 
we stay with the Mariners. Uh, Sean goes with Kyle Lewis, who I believe won the Rookie of the Year award. Is that correct? Yes, last year? he yes he did. And I'm not the biggest person on Lewis. I think that strikeout rate and that swinging strike percentage is going to get him. Um, you know, last year he was at 30% in 2019. He was at 38% over just 75 plate appearances. Um, but I do think he has a good ability to, when he does make contact, it's very good contact. Uh, so I think the power is going to be there. Um, obviously he's going to play um, in that outfield. It is going to get crowded real fast because you have Kyle Lewis you have Jared Kalenic, you have Julio Rodriguez, and then the forgotten man everyone's forgetting about is um, Taylor Trammell, yeah. the oh, wow. former Cincinnati Reds top prospect who went from Cincinnati to San Diego and then San Diego to Seattle now. Uh, so Kyle Lewis, it's hard to you know say, oh, the rookie of the year might lose his job. I, I don't think it's that serious yet, but he's got a good blend of power, speed, but if – those strikeouts don't get under control. It could sink him. He could become like a fourth or fifth outfielder. Then uh, Jacob finishes up the outfielders with Austin Slater. Um, I know I had him on my team in our mm-hmm. baseball life league. He did well for me, but he was constantly hurt. Uh, yeah. I guess, Jacob, you're expecting a, a more healthier Austin Slater for 2021? Absolutely. Um, you can't – the guy can hit. You know, plus, like I said, it's fluky injuries, his elbow, strain here, strain there. Um, and you Dr. look back, I mean, hey, <laughs> but you look back at it, like, even his minor league stats, he's one of those late bloomers. You yeah. know, he won't get, he won't hit for power. You know, I think his isolated power was like 200 or something like that. Um, but, you know, he could run a little bit, but his average has never been under, I believe, 290 in the minors. So you knew he can hit. He's like and, a Brian Reynolds. Like, he's always yeah. – hit. he came out of the womb hitting 300. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's my guy, too, Brian Reynolds. <laughs> went, about, went over that one before. But, um, yeah, you know what you're going to get. The San Francisco – the Giants actually, they need every amount of help they can get. That team just – I don't know. Yeah. It's just all over the place. But Austin Slater, you know, he'll – I'll say he'll hit about 10. Maybe he'll hit about 280. You know, he might still like five to ten bases. But he'll – He'll be fantasy relevant. I could see it happening. Yeah, he's a, a guy that when Jacob picked him, I, I I physically told him, I was like, that was a good pick. I like Austin Slater, and he's somebody I picked in the relegation OBP league. Um, the thing that confuses me with him is the stolen bases. He never stole more than eight in the minor leagues, and that was in eight and 53 games in 2018 at AAA. And then in 2020, in only 31 games, he steals eight bases. Yeah. He had a 408 on base, which is really good. He's always walked a good bit in the minors. Uh, an issue with him that he seemed to correct this year was he's a former Stanford guy, so he had the Stanford swing, which is <laughs> supposed to produce line drives all over the field. But in reality, it produces a lot of ground balls to the left side of the field if you're right-handed. Um, he corrected that a little bit this year, hit more line drives, which is what you want to see. My only worry with Austin Slater – is that he becomes the short side of a platoon with Alex Dickerson. Yeah. Um, who has been very, very good for the Giants, who you might not realize it, but since going to the Giants has been one of the best hitters in baseball. Because mm-hmm. um, you have Yaz out there, you have Dickerson, and who's the the third outfielder I'm thinking of in right field? Um, uh, I, I uh. So they got Jastrzemski, Dickerson, and Mauricio Dubon. Oh, yeah, Mauricio Dubon has to play some center field. Ah, 
They just need to get rid of Brandon Crawford. Let Dubon play shortstop. Jesus. Yeah. Give Austin Slater full-time playing time. Just get rid of all their veterans who I'm, help win. I'm going to start picketing outside Oracle Park or whatever the hell it's called now. I think it's Oracle Park. Okay. Uh, a couple of con- comments from our uh, Angels fan uh, who uh, is always waking up early in the morning on a Sunday to watch this show, Austin, um, who also agrees that he hates Felipe, but for different reasons, because I, <laughs> I did beat him in the championship game of the Newbie League last year. I mean – you know, you're facing one of the top guys in the in, in the sport, right? You're, you're... <laughs> but you know, he you know he gave a very valiant effort, so uh, eight for effort for him. And he also agrees on the Kyle Lewis uh, uh, summary there. Uh, I had Kyle Lewis on, on my team last year too, and like like just like Austin, he ended up benching him for a majority of the of the second half because he was so inconsistent. So oh, oh okay, but we look at your comment. You're not going to say what your comment was. You said what? Luis Robert should have won rookie of the year. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about inconsistency? I mean, they're, my dude they're can't both, hit a breaking ball. They're both inconsistent. They both like, just That dude was doing ballerina top. pirouettes trying to swing at the slider. They listen, they both they both had bad second halves of last year. It both just ridiculously bad. But who ended up covering all three outfield positions for his own team okay then i'm sorry that kyle lewis actually had some competent outfield mates uh, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter I mean, I mean, fine you do your job in center field but you're not doing the job in, in, in <laughs> at, the mat, at the plate i mean Luis Robert also struggle i'll admit to it but if you're gonna give two guys who struggle uh give the ice to the guy who had to cover for both eloy jimenez and omar mazara last year rest my case uh, like, and, and, and Sean, we saw it with the numbers when we did the numbers last year. I think I, we ended up. I ended up uh, with my with my calculations. Luis Robert ended up should have won the Rookie of the Year anyway, but just on statistics alone. So it doesn't really matter. But everybody I, likes. Kyle I think Lewis. they were real close. No, they weren't. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if it's okay with the jury here, with the, with everybody else, uh, these three guys are known commodities. Uh, mm-hmm. We went. We kept going. So uh, Jacob went Fernando Tatis. Junior, Trevor's story went to Sean. I ended up getting Manny Machado. You guys are okay. Can we skip all those three guys? Yeah, we... absolutely. All right. And I ended up with Jeff McNeil as my back-to-back. Uh, yeah, you left Francisco Lindor on the board. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Fangrass was down, which is the website I used. <laughs> <to use. laughs> my crutch was removed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I like to look things up before I make decisions. Oh, mm-hmm. man, logical me. So I had to uh, go through um, uh, uh, just our generic ranking system, right? Like, all right, well, so who's a good player that I can get at middle infield? Or not know, thinking that all the good shortstops are already taken because we saw the top of the list, right? Tatis, who's the face of baseball. Trevor Story, who still hits that course. And Manny Machado, who, you know, he's still one of the best uh, hitters and young players of this generation. Who's left? And for some reason, I saw Francisco Lindor, and I thought, oh, well, he's with the Indians, so he doesn't count. So naturally, I gravitated <laughs> towards Jeff McNeil, and then Jacob says, well, "What about Francisco Lindor?" I'm like, oh, okay. So McNeil, we talked about ad nauseum before in our first episode, so we could skip him. Lindor, we know who Francisco <laughs> Lindor is going to the Mets. Uh, that's the reason I was very um, giddy with the Mets getting to the World Series. That was before Trevor Bauer signed with the Dodgers, so now I'm not mm-hmm. sure anymore. And <laughs> we go with uh, now we go to the interesting pick here. Actually, we go back to back interesting picks with Javier Baez. And Chris Bryant going to Jacob Moses. Uh, I, uh, Javi, ba- I am envisioning Javi Baez bounce uh-huh. back season. That, that's oh. all I was, I was going off of it. But, you know, he's too talented to have two shitty seasons in a row, I think. That's just my thinking of it. 
Sean is probably about to have a rebuttal. I know he's the Eric Hosmer. <laughs> he has good year, bad year, good yep, year, go. bad year. There you go. There that's you I'm go. Like, I'm kind of like uh... he's got the Hosmeritis. <laughs> Wait, good year, bad year. What 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 do tires have to do with anything? There you go. What about Obviously, his tires are flat because he only stole three bases last year. Yeah, that might know. be because he had a two thirty eight <laughs> on base percentage. Nah, he wasn't. It wasn't happening. But KB. Uh, and that's yeah. always one of my favorite guys in the league. You know, okay. he's another one. He's in a walk year. I have a feeling he's going to turn it up now. Like he has, seems like he's healthy. So he's going to, I think the power will come back a little bit. You know, everybody says, oh, he's not going to be the MVP guy. Dude's not even 30 yet. I mean, give him a chance to actually bounce well, back. Is Chris I mean, Bryant ever really healthy though? No. Uh, <laughs> Coming not. from a coach fan, that's, that's, yes, we had to get that on the air. Is he ever really healthy? <laughs> I mean, but yeah, that's another one I think that can have a really good bounce back year. You know how players really turn it up when it's their walk year, and yep. I think he'll, I think he'll do well. Maybe, uh, maybe he's Chicago. Maybe he'll be donning the orange and blue. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can get, maybe we can get Matthew Allen in a, in a trade. No, 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 no. Shut it down. No. Shut it down. Cut it out. No. <laughs> Stop it. I, I, Stop before it. I get to, before I get to Sean, I had to ask you, Jacob. So I know you like Chris Bryant a lot. He's one of your favorite players. But over over Pete Alonso. Listen. I think that was I'm a listening. goof. I, th- I I took advantage of all the goofs in the draft. I did. It was, it was a goof. I didn't think about it. Honestly. <laughs> so it, you, just, okay, okay. Listen, you caught me late on this one too. I was like, ah, oh, Chris Bryant. All right, I'm going to sleep. All right. Um, either I was working or I was about to go to sleep. I would have went to Pete because we're gonna have a full season. He's gonna hit forty bombs. He's gonna get his RBIs. But yeah, it was a goof. And we can move on now. Well, Thank that you. was like uh, when we he picked his first util spot after outfield. He picked uh, David Fletcher. And did, we were like, I, no, we were like, Jacob, no. no, you can just pick the like, best player. I was like, all right. I was, like, oh. I, was. <laughs> I, I did a quick, I was doing something. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but thank you. Shout out to you guys for doing that. Uh, yeah. But no, um, with Pete Alonzo, the one thing I wanted to mention, and if you follow me on Twitter, that this was something that got a little bit of traction. Mm. But in 2019, uh, Pete Alonzo had a 384 Woba, which is really, really good. Um, and then in 2020, everyone said, oh, he – he was bad. He struggled. He was doing so bad. As they just said, he was on pace for 40-plus home runs and, like, 99 RBIs. Um, his WOBA in September alone was also 384. Mm-hmm. So, Pete Alonzo, he wasn't walking as much. He was hitting his way out of a slump, mm-hmm. which is what we usually see hitters do when they come out of slumps. Pete Alonzo was hitting the ball harder than he had in 2019, the entire month of September. Um, I think he's one of those guys that, it, over a 60-game season, we just didn't get to see how a full 162 would have played out because he was getting hot. And um, I'm one of those people. I'm going to scoop up all of the discounted Pete Alonzos, uh, especially <laughs> if he falls to about like 50, 50, 60. I'm taking him every single time. Yeah. Uh, usually he's still going in the 40s, but uh, he's definitely a better, better discount than he was post-2019 mm-hmm. when people were taking him in like the top 20. Yeah. Wait, real- go ahead. Yeah, like in a actual draft, real draft like this, you know, Pete Alonso wasn't getting past me, but you yeah. know, I won't goof again. It would definitely. Won't <laughs> but, to know, that I point, think, uh, I, I, I was, was also. Hey, Felipe, uh, something is up with your mic. Uh, can you try it again? Testing, testing. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's a little echoey, but we got you. Okay, sorry. sorry. I don't know what's the deal here. I know my baby's banging on the walls in the other room. So. <laughs> um, 
Well, I was going to say, to Jacob's point, I also was distracted when I was doing this. I think that's also part of the reason. Fangress uh, was down, and I was also distracted. I was actually hiding from my wife to make these picks. So I guess we're even. You ended up getting Chris Bryant, and you missed out on Peter Alonso. I ended up getting Jeff McNeil, and I missed out on Francisco Lindor, so I don't feel as bad anymore. Anthony Rizzo. Oh, by the way, you guys noticed the pink color, right? The pink uh, hues here. Uh, it is Valentine's Day. I figure that's the color of love. It's a good touch. Yeah, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anthony Rizzo, um, that's an obvious one for me. I mean, he's, uh, there was nobody else left uh, and at corner infield that I really like. And he still can get on base. He still can provide power. Very, very wonderful plate approach. I just wish it uh, translated to more production, more counting stats. So I'm hoping this year he'll uh, go back to uh, the power hitter that I envision him being. Uh, so that's enough about Anthony Rizzo. Then we went back, we went back up to catcher. And I ended up getting the, what I think is the best catcher in uh, this grouping in Wilson Contreras. So that's an obvious one for me. I know that he struggles a lot as well, but I figured, you know, either McCann, James McCann or Austin Noah, I'll just take Wilson Contreras and move on to the next thing. Uh, Sean ends up with Austin Noah, who's one of my personal favorites. Uh, used to, I'm assuming you like him. Uh, in 2021 as well, right, Sean? Yeah, I don't really know what to think of Austin Nola. You know, obviously he gets traded from the Mariners to the Padres for quite a bit of a haul, actually. Um, so far in his major league career, he's played 127 games, uh, 9% walk rate, solid, uh, 21.5% strikeout rate. That's slightly under league average. And then a 271, 347, 461 slash. Uh, 17 home runs, 60 runs, 60 RBIs in 127 games. I think most people would take that from their primary catcher over a full year. Uh, so um, he's not anything special, but he's better than most of the other options. So, and now he's going to be in a great, really, really good lineup. So uh, I'll take it there. Moving on to James McCann. Uh, we talked about him uh, a lot. A lot. <laughs> So now Jacob has gets to chime in. What do you think about that one, uh, Jacob? I honestly, I I like the move, and like Sean said, he's, you know, same thing with what's his name, Nola. He's gonna be in a good lineup, which is gonna help him out, and you're not gonna expect much out of him. But you know, full season, he'll give me about 12 to 15 home runs, maybe 60 RB. I think he'll pretty much give us the same that Buffalo did. That's Wilson Ramos you know, for the non-Met fans. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think he'll give us pretty much the same production, a little bit better. You know, he might throw out a few, but fantasy purposes doesn't matter. But he'll get me 260 average, like I said, 12 to 15, 55 to 60 RBIs, and I'm, I'm fine with that. that. That's fine. I almost went James McCann. I, I really mean, did. But I was really worried because while he has, his offense has taken a step up, um, that strikeout rate is still ever present. Yeah, he still is bad against right-handed pitching. Um, I think we're going to see an offensive drop-off between Ramos and McCann, even though McCann technically has been better the last two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we we sleep on Wilson Ramos. He had, what, that 26-game hit streak at the oh, end of was, 2019. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in four of the games, he came off the bench. He was a pinch yeah, hitter. It was, it was amazing. Uh, but James McCann is a lefty killer. There's not that many good lefties in the National League East for him to feast on. So mm-hmm. uh, it might be a little tough for him. But as long as he's better than 
damn Wilson Ramos behind the plate. <laughs> we'll be okay. But uh, he, if for fantasy purposes, he's going to get a lot of the playing time. Mm-hmm. And that's like the name of the game when it comes to catchers, as Felipe always likes to remind me with Salvador Perez. Playing time is the name of the game at catcher, and James McCann is going to get a lot of it, probably more than Austin Nola and Wilson Contreras, I bet. Moving on, and then Jacob went ahead and got Eric Hosmer as well. Uh, we've, oh, we, we mentioned him already earlier this show, right? Good year, bad year, right? That's him? Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. He finally fixed his launch angle so problem, and did, then it kind, of, it, it kind of came back at the end of the year, so I'm a little worried. <laughs> But yeah, he'll still get, you know, he's at 280 hitter. He's going to be a product of that lineup. If he's yeah, hitting oh, anywhere absolutely. near guys like Tommy Pham, Tatis, uh, he's just oh. going to rake in runs oh, and RBIs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then he took my guy, Dominic Smith. I, yeah, <laughs> I was kind of on the smack. Chip. But, but, but I, I mean, Jacob, I don't you, know. You had your chance. I know, but that's what the, do you mean? You don't know. <laughs> don't, no, 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 no. This is the thing about it. I was thinking, like, oh, uh-huh. man, I want to pick Don Smith. But where is he going to play? Like, there's so many reports out there. We don't know if he's actually mm. going to start. Nemo, he might play left. He might play center. You got Albert Amore. You just don't know. I don't know what kind of playing time he's going to get. And I know Eric Hosmer's. he's penciled in starting at first base. That's not even a question. And like you said, that's the name of the game. You got to get the guys where you're going to get them. But right. Eric Hosmer, I'm good with. Dominic Smith is going to hurry. I, I hope he rakes. Yeah. Um... Again, but what can you do? My little blurb on Dominic Smith from 2019 to 2020 with a minimum of 250 plate appearances. Uh, he has the 12th highest weighted runs created plus. He is one point behind Cody Bellinger and Fernando Tatis Jr. And two points ahead of DJ LeMahieu. Uh, he won 48 WRC plus. He has absolutely raked the ball from 2019 to 2020. Um, as long as he gets the playing time, yeah. I, the only issue with him is his slugging percentage from 2020 seems super inflated because it seemed like every other hit he had was a double. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he he's going to be a more average overpower guy, which was his pr- projections coming up through okay, the minors, but he was average overpower. Um, but we just need the DH, please. Yeah, please, they, Joe Boo, give us the designated they, hitter. They, they fucked us on that one. I'm sorry. It was, uh, it was Felipe, pour a little Coquito for Joe Boo and sacrifice it for the DH. This is too good. <laughs> a little, there's a little bit left on the bottom there. Uh, I ended up with Jake Cornerworth because you guys took all the good first basemen. So, uh, Jake Cornerworth. People forget uh, he has Paul. first base eligibility. Yeah, he's yeah that's what I noticed too. So I yeah. went, and so does Ryan McMahon as well. So I could have really just gone uh, flip them out, flip flop them. Uh, Ryan McMahon is my Rockies representative, so I'm proud of that. Uh, I was able to get the guy that I was targeting all along uh, at second base. Um, but I'm not really excited about my infield. Doesn't look as good as yours. Same. Oh, uh, but yeah, um, Cornerworth qualifies everywhere. McMahon plays uh, with the Colorado Rockies. If he gets enough playing time, the only bad thing about him, Sean, as you know. He's left-handed, but so it's Jake oh. Cronenworth, so it doesn't really matter. But that's all, of, and your next pick's left-handed too. But we'll get to yeah. that in a minute. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I uh, got my Rockies representative, uh, Jake Cronenworth. Uh, I ended up getting him in all my leagues last year. Saved my season from total disaster. Him and Dominic Smith. You guys uh, end up getting a couple of my my heroes from last season, and uh, 
There I had to, uh, goes my hero. My hero. <laughs> uh, moving on to Tommy Lastella, uh, everybody's favorite uh, middle infielder in the world because they just <laughs> love his uh, the little engine that could capabilities there, Sean. Um, he's with the Giants now, right? Is yeah, he, he is hitter? projected to be their leadoff hitter. So yeah. anytime you can grab a leadoff hitter late in drafts like Tommy Lastella is right now, and not only is like Tommy Lastella going late in drafts, but I, I was reading a little article um, that Farhan uh, Zite, Farhan is the Giants GM, right? Or the, he's like their president of baseball operations, something like that. I yeah, um, he said he just looked at Tommy Lastella's stat line from 2020, and he couldn't stop looking at it because he had 27 walks to 12 strikeouts and over 225 plate appearances. Uh, he didn't really show the power that broke out with uh, 2019 and the angels. Uh, but that bat to ball ability is still there solid on base. And if he's going to be batting in front of guys like um, Donovan Solano, who contended for the batting title last year, Donnie bats and Mike Yastrzemski and Alex Dickerson, Tommy LaStella could score a lot of runs. Mm-hmm. Um, only issue is he right now he's slated to start at third base which would put him on the strong side of a platoon with Evan Longoria. But you would think that Evan Longoria is going to play more than just the weak side of a platoon. So La Stella can move around, but we'll see what exactly happens with him. Yeah, because the uh, Giants also have Wilmer Flores, uh, who could uh, – if, yep. if they move La Stella to second base, Flor- yeah, him, that guy. But then where do you play Donovan Solano? And then you have to bench Solano um, yeah. for whatever reason. I don't know. But, I mean, it, it, listen, the Giants are an interesting team because – they don't look good. They don't look that good, but it's still an interesting team because mm-hmm. they can, um, they can compete uh, and be that pesky team. I mean, they weren't a very good Coast. team at the end of 2019 when they went on that crazy run, which turned them into buyers at the deadline. Yeah. They yeah, weren't a good team then, but they got hot enough, fast enough to convince their front office that they were. Yeah. Um, I like I said, I like you said, I think they're a sneaky team that could be a pain in the ass for the heavyweight Dodgers and Padres. Like this lineup is not anything to, you know, Oh God. Yeah. It's, (laughs) I mean, there's good hitters in this lineup. There's good hitters on the bench. You know, if your bench has Longoria Flores and Slater, um, if you have a lefty in the pen, God bless, God help your soul. I mean, they are going to come in and just crush you. Um, But I I like, I like um, them. Their pitching is terrible, though. (laughs) Whenever I needed a player, I just went to the Giants roster because there were plenty of guys from the Giants. And, yeah, Dickerson was still there. Slater was still there. Longoria, I ended up in our our baseball life league. He ended up – Longoria didn't get picked by – no, he got picked by Jacob. But he kind of had a resurgence last year. He hit the ball insanely hard. He had the highest expected Woba, like, since 2014 or something crazy. Yeah, that, he ended up on my team for a couple of weeks before I dropped him for Cabrian Hayes at the end of the year so I can get a younger player. But no, I mean, the, the Giants were a very sneaky, productive uh, uh, team, for, especially in fantasy late in the year. Dylan Moore, and, and speaking of uh, the Giants, here's Brandon Crawford as well. Man. Uh, go ahead, Jacob. I, I went to the bottom of the garbage. Fed, <laughs> I, 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 start, I hurt Pretty me. Much. I'm just looking. I'm, I'm trying to think of the teams. And then my just brain like exploded. I'm just like, crap. Yeah, same, same. I guess I guess Brandon Crawford it is. You know, Brandon <laughs> Crawford used to be a solid guy. Of course, it's all about the glove with him. Yep. He'll probably hit like 240, maybe, if I'm if you're lucky. <laughs> um it, it was just 
Anyway, he, he was trash. Um, but anyway, Dylan Moore, I like him. He he's actually once Shed Long went down, he kind of got his breakout. And Scott Service, he let him rock. He could play all over the field. He reminds me a lot of Garrett Sampson of the Rockies without speed, without the much speed. Um, that's but, actually a pretty good comp. I, I that's what he reminds me of. I don't uh, know what it is. That that is like it's like Garrett Sampson is much much faster. Mm-hmm. And I think I Dylan Moore is going to hit for a little bit more power, but like the multi position, mm-hmm. they're both steel bases. I, I get it. I get it. Good yeah. track. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, I, I like it. Plus, he's going to have a lot of time at everywhere. So, you know, he's going to be constantly in a consistently in the lineup. Excuse me. And Scott Service loves him. When your manager loves you, it's kind of like a Tibbs and Rose situation. Let's cross it over a little bit. <laughs> you know, you're going to be in the lineup. Yeah. But, Oh, hey, why not go with Dylan Moore? But Brandon Crawford, yeah, that hurt. I mean, the crossover, <laughs> don't you mean step back? They, they, what, hey. Hey. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of Garrett Hampson, uh, Sean immediately picks him up. Uh, you know, I got to get your opinion on the Rockies infield, Sean. It seems like it's a very um, congested infield. Uh, would you agree with that statement? Or do you see Hampson and McMahon uh, I mean, being the future there? With Arenado and Murphy gone. Uh, it looks like those two positions are going to be filled. You know, Trevor story is for the time being still a shortstop. Uh, Garrett Hampson in the minors was so good. And people are just like, he, he had very high on base percentages, drew a lot of walks and just stolen ungodly amount of bases. And everyone like just sees that potential in Garrett Hampson. He doesn't hit the ball hard. He's never really hit the ball hard, um, but he's fast as all get out. Uh, Ryan McMahon, I think, is going to take over the first baseman's job. Maybe some sort of platoon with Josh Fuentes, who Jacob mentioned in this draft. He ended up not being drafted. Um, Maybe you see McMahon go to third. Maybe you see Brendan Rodgers go to third. Uh, Garrett Hampson goes to second base. There's a lot of moving parts. Hampson does have multi-position eligibility. I expect him to have that going into next year as well. but it would be nice if they just gave him like a 60 game run of being the leadoff hitter. Like yep. you guys are, they're not going to win anything this year. Just give it to him. Let him be the leadoff hitter for half a season and see what happens. Cause he could be a guy who has a 350 on base, kind of like a Trey Turner. He'd be a very poor man's Trey Turner. You get, yeah. he's Trey Turner, but 350 picks later. <laughs> That's basically it right there. And then uh, I ended up getting JP Crawford. I don't know why. Uh, uh, <laughs> Oops, JP Crawford's not bad. He had a nice little breakout. He's still JP Crawford, though. Yeah, and they said that apparently he's going to share time with uh, Shed Long at second base because Dylan Moore is supposed to be their starting shortstop or something crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wasn't, but yeah, JP Crawford, he made a lot of good contact or, you know, made a lot of contact. Wasn't good contact, but highest expected batting average of his career, good defense, stole six bases. I like J.P. Crawford, especially in an on-base league where he walks a little bit more than your average shortstop. So, uh, J.P. Crawford, according to Steamer projections, uh, 332, actually 332 among all the projections at Fangraphs, 332 on base is the highest that anybody is projecting him to be. Uh, I, was he a former first-round pick, right? Yes, uh, 16th yeah. overall with the Phillies. Yeah, I remember that. Now. That was uh, what trade sent him over there from? Which one? Uh, uh, J.P. Crawford. J.P. Crawford. Uh, Philadelphia uh, to Seattle. Um, shit. Cliff Lee. I don't know. 
<laughs> Moving I, on. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, look it up over there. Uh, but I am more excited about J.D. Davis, who is another one of my favorite guys from the last couple of years. And, of course, Warrior. with the Mets fans, uh, I always make sure that if, if there's a Mets player that I like, I got to go and strike while the iron is hot before they get back to the Mets fans. So, J.D. Davis, uh, he was another one of those guys who I made sure to draft in almost all my leagues. I couldn't do it in my points league, but I know I did it. I think I did it in the newbie league. I definitely did it with you guys in the baseball life league. So uh, <laughs> Yes, I know you did. I know you did. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, the, the Mets, uh, they're loaded. And, and with, I mean, you know what really helped? And you guys, I think you alluded to this uh, to this earlier. is a designated hitter with the Mets. I mean, I did not have to worry about J.D. Davis getting benched. I did not have to worry about him being in platoon or, mm-hmm. or, or, or getting a bench for a better third baseman, whatever, because, you know, his bat was going to be in the lineup no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I was, I, I was very comfortable with that. So I'm hoping the same happens with this pickup. Uh, Sean goes with Kyle Seeger, the Lester of the Seeger family. Oh, shit. Uh, I, so, he, uh, he wasn't as lesser he, as people think the last nah, he he's always good. been steady eddie yeah uh he's always been good for the 20 home runs and like 100 plus rbis or 80 plus Solid rbis unspectacular Solid uh, in this in the thing that i did like about him in the short season was he really cut down on the strikeout rate and whiff rate and he was like being more selective and i guess some people would call it passive and they don't like that but he still barreled up the ball like he's always done. I I like him. I think he's aging better than anybody would have expected Kyle Seager mm-hmm. to age. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna be, he'll be in his thirty age thirty three season. Yep. Speaking of old, Evan Longoria. Also, we just talked about him. Old man River. And uh, Jacob ends up getting him. Uh, yeah. Poor me. Poor you. <laughs> I, nah, I like Evan Longoria. He's, yeah. he's likable, man. He can't. But like. He had a little break. I mean, he he came back last year. It he did. Yeah. It wasn't bad at all. You know, he still has the glove. I mean, he'll get you. I'll say his two fifth. I'll I'll be nice and say two fifty to two sixty, and that park maybe fifteen home runs between that and the road, and he'll drive in maybe seventy runs, something like that. He'll he'll get it. I mean, if he stays healthy, because he's just fast few years, and he used to be like the model of just consistency and durability but now yeah. it's just obviously he was the american go. league david <coughs> david right before there david right got hurt there you go <laughs> he definitely was yeah and uh so back to back aging third baseman going but i think i like longoria <laughs> a little bit more than I do like seager uh longoria entering his age 35 season moving on to the relief pitchers we're on the home stretch here edwin diaz immediately yes. goes to uh jacob yes full advantage of that uh, so I take it you you uh, you you don't believe in the home runs that he gives up, but you believe in everything. absolutely not. I mean that okay. I say with Edwin Diaz, it was extremely exaggerated. Even the past few, oh, you know, you gave Kalinic up for him and blah blah, but he really put up good numbers. His numbers weren't bad. So I see last year he was flat out dominant. Last year, yeah. It was crazy. Like his, he started using his slider more. Thank God, because I used to yell at the TV, "Stop mm-hmm. using your fastball." We know you can throw ninety-seven. We know <laughs> you can throw ninety-eight. Throw your slider. Oh, two pitch. He he's throwing three fastballs right in a row, and they're going, "Oh my God, he's going to force himself to throw a slider where he doesn't have any control over it on three and two pitch." No, it's not going to happen. But yeah, he was his ERA was what one point seven. Uh, two, yeah, one, yeah, one seven five. Okay, so he. It was, I think, the second lowest. The only person who had a lower ERA as a relief pitcher was Devin Williams, and that was like mm-hmm. .03 or oh, something that crazy. Was, that was nasty. But, yeah, Edwin Diaz, he was really good. His strikeout, the walk ratio was a lot better. 
uh, crazy stat for you guys. The uh, According to Fangraphs, the swinging strike rate for a shortened 2020 Edwin Diaz season last year, 21.5%. Which oh, is- my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah got to love. Yeah, uh, so he mainly just throws the two pitches. And looking at Savant, uh, they whiffed on 41% of his four-seamers, and they whiffed on 58% of his sliders. But the, the biggest difference that he had here, if you go to any hot map of Edwin Diaz, mm-hmm. um. He did throw the slider more in 2020, yes. like Jacob alluded to. And th- he wasn't the only person in 2019 when everyone started complaining about the ball. Uh, he wasn't the only person who I think lost a little bit of feeling in that slider. Uh, if you look at his heat maps of his sliders in 2019, the biggest blob is right in the middle of the plate, which yep. if you have a slider, that's not where you want it to be. Uh, <laughs> you go to 2020, his <laughs> only big hot region, and really there's a, a small glowing red, is all down and away from the right-handed hitter. Yep. And then there's a bunch that are all like way out of the zone. But his ball, they can they move so much that even if it is way out of the zone, they're swinging at it. So he doesn't even need to really throw strikes with it. No. But uh, yeah, he's got a wicked pitches. He was downright elite in 2020. He gave up two home runs compared to like the 27 he gave up in 2019 <laughs> or whatever the hell it was. In one of those home runs, which was also to tie the game in the seventh inning of a doubleheader against the Yankees. It went like 337 feet to right field. Like it was the most Yankeeest of Yankee stadium home runs. So yeah, I, I'm 100% back in on Edwin Diaz. Definitely. Quickly to Drew Pomerantz. Uh, if uh, Sean wouldn't have gotten him, I was hoping that he would have uh, skipped him. And I like DP. Gotten- yeah, I was hoping that he I, – I know you like DP. But if, if he would have uh, – Whoa! It's, it's Valentine's Day, yeah. If, if, um, if, if Sean didn't get Drew Pomeranz, I would have uh, loved to have gotten him, but I was hoping he would have gotten another Mets pick in there. Yeah, Pomeranz has been one of the most dominant relief pitchers, and now that Melanson's in San Diego, I'm kind of worried that since he's right-handed, he's going to get the saves. I was really hoping they would just give the job outright to Pomeranz. Yeah, but um, uh, hey, man, if you're in a holds league or or if you're in a categories league like we are, I mean, that's still a really damn good pickup. Yeah, and I had this pulled up somewhere on one of my fan graphs tabs. My computer's going slow, but since being converted into a reliever over the last few years, here it goes. Uh, yeah, he is a 44 percent strikeout percentage. True Pomeranz mm-hmm. as a relief pitcher over the last few years, over 48 innings, uh, ex- or batting average against 157 WHIP, 0.91, a 2.11 FIP. I mean, he's been dominant as a reliever. And he was just like a middle-of-the-road, like, bad starter. He He's the left-handed Seth Lugo. Boom. Oh, wow. Which you end up on your team, but we'll talk about him a little later. Yeah. Rafael Montero and Reyes Moronta end up with my team as Rafael Montero, someone I've been avoiding in all my mock drafts. And this, but in this one, I'm like, you know you know what it is, uh, guys? It's, uh, it's, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. The bar's about to close. And you don't want to go to you. It's closing time. <laughs> you don't want to go home by yourself. And there's that girl at the at the end of the bar. Like you know what? She doesn't look too bad right now in this dim light. And that's what Rafael Montero is. Uh, if you put Rafael Montero into a room with dim light, you want to be able to see him. <laughs> it's fastball apparently. Um, <laughs> Jacob said, "Oh shit!" <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <sighs> uh, speaking of fastballs, 95 mile per hour uh, average velocity according to pitch effects. But uh, Montero, what I liked about him was the projections that I saw of him uh, when I was uh, looking this up. 
Uh, he's supposed to, uh, at worst, get a 119, uh, I'm sorry, at best a 119 whip, which for a guy like him, that's not too shabby. Also, uh, 25 saves. You know what? 25 saves are 25 saves, right? Ray yeah. Moronta is a guy that I always like uh, with the Giants. I know that his walks, last I checked, were a little high. And there's like about a four-man race uh, for the closer's job in San Francisco. But I like Moronta a lot. I've always liked him. He's a guy who can get you over uh, 10 strikeouts per nine innings. Like, again, the walks are a little crazy. But, you know, if he is the closer, I could see him getting the majority of the saves there. Well, maybe a good round number of 20 he's i didn't realize how much he's pitched already yeah man uh since 2017 he's pitched in over 100 something games and never posted an era higher than 2.8 so (laughs) that's really good yeah plus he's like 280 pounds he's listed at 265 but there's no way yeah he (laughs) oh he's huge he's He's like oh he's only 510 oh my god i love it he's like the bartolo that actually Oh my God! Is this what Bartolo would have been if he was, you know, fat when he was young? Like he just threw really hard. Like, oh my God, live vicariously through this guy. <laughs> and according to his stat cast numbers, he uh, he gives up a lot of weak contact, so that's what you're looking for. Uh, how's his fastball doing? I'm just kind of curious since I'm on the page. Yeah, here. oh, 97th percentile of velocity. He's always thrown hard since the yeah. minors. Yeah, so there's I a lot to him. like about him. And then you look at the competition with the uh, Giants. Tyler Rogers, who, come on, he's not closer material. He's Jake, a righty specialist. Yeah, Jake McGee is a lefty specialist. And Matt Whistler, <laughs> come on, Matt Whistler. Matt Whistler, the guy who throws way more sliders than fastballs? Uh, yeah, he, he, What did he throw? Yeah. He threw 22 consecutive sliders last year in a game. Something yeah, crazy, got, 22, they 27. Their, uh, they got their Sergio Romo back is what yeah. they got. <laughs> I'm more impressed with this Andrews, Andres Munoz pick uh, yes, right here, Sean. Yes. Go ahead and talk about him. So he was moved in the Austin Nola deal from, you know, San Diego had a lot of those arms, both in the rotation, Gore, Patino, but they also had a bunch of the bullpen guys like Andres Munoz, uh, Adrian, uh, yeah, Adrian Morejon. Uh, yeah, they were really freaking good. And Andres Munoz got hurt and his command was a little wonky, but he is a guy that when you see him pitch, you just say, this is a closer. This is the guy that you give the ball to, and he comes in in the ninth inning and just shuts you down. He's built like a freight truck, throws the ball insanely hard. His average fastball velocity was, where is it, 99.9. Average, on average, in 2019. Um, He's a guy that I think people are sleeping on because he was involved along with Taylor Trammell, and uh, there was another person that went in that deal, to Seattle. And I think he's the closer of the future for Seattle. And I really like what they're doing because they're going to have a deep rotation. And now they're starting to build up that bullpen too. Um, I don't think Rafael Montero is a guy you picked. That's a good pick, but I don't think he's going to be getting saves by the end of the year. He's a guy that Jerry Depoto trades for just so he can trade him again in six months. I'm not looking for saves at the end of the year. I just want to get off to a good start with saves. <laughs> I'll pick up on the waiver wire. I always, I always do. I, I mean, Josh Stallman last year, uh, Trevor Rosenthal, even when he went to the Padres, like, yeah, he's not, he's not coming in the eighth. He's coming in the ninth, and that's what happened with the Padres. So, Speaking of, I finally watched that episode of The League. I'm not sure if any of you guys have ever watched that show, but mm-hmm. where they uh, pick up stuff on the waiver wire, the, the real stoner of the group. He says, I'm going to pick this up off the waiver wire, and he steals somebody's plate of food, and they're like, Taco, that's just stealing. He says, no, I'm picking it up off the waiver wire. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. 
Moving on. Trevor May uh, going to Jacob along with Caleb uh, Baragar. Baragar, Baragar, Baragar. Anyway, I, I've always liked Trevor May. Uh, he's now with the Mets, correct, Trevor May? Yes. yes. And then Caleb Baragar. I forgot where he was. Um, San Francisco. San, yeah, Giants. He's a lefty. Yes, that, he that's all I knew about him. I was like, the name sounds familiar. I know he's a lefty. That's it. <laughs> so let's start with Trevor May. Obviously, he's with the Mets. Uh, is that a homer pick, or is there something more to that? No, thing? I actually like Trevor May. His yeah. uh, look, I, I made sure. See, doing my research, his whiff <laughs> rate was just very high. But with the one thing that does scare me is his hard hit ball rate. Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <That's all laughs> I'm just like, eh, maybe, but no. He had he's another one with a wicked slider, and if he gets it going, it's pretty much unhittable. You know, his fastballs 96 to 97, and he'll stay here, pretty much stay there for the while he's in. And like I said, he gets you strikeouts, and that's what I want. That's what I want in a reliever. You get in, strike people out, just limit the home run ball. We would really much appreciate that. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. So Trevor May, I think he, and plus his ERA was like what three point eight six, but that's going to come down. Yeah, year. his expected ERA <laughs> was about three point three, which was yeah. actually lower than what it was in twenty nineteen. It's coming. Uh, it, he he just gave up uh, the home run spiked a little bit and in a short mm-hmm. season. That's going to skew the the ERA a little bit. But mm-hmm. like Jake McGee that we talked about last year, he's one of those guys who is getting a lot of strikeouts. But when he did give up contact, it was hard contact. Trevor May is that guy because he he lives so much up in the zone with his fastball. He releases it from a high point. He gets a lot of ride on it. He gets a crazy amount of whiffs on his forcing fastball. 47%. I think it's the highest in baseball for a forcing fastball. And he's got the good curve. But um, he takes on a position of far more significance Mm-hmm. after my pick Seth Lugo yep. is now out. So Trevor May is instantly now the setup guy. Uh Seth Lugo, I mean in some order they were 7 8 and 9 mm-hmm. Diaz May and Lugo, but now I think it's definitely May setting up Diaz. Mm-hmm. The only question is how do you get to May now with no Lugo? Uh who yeah, was my pick April. but which yeah, uh I obviously picked Seth Lugo before the news of his elbow surgery. Uh, when I first woke up and saw that he was having elbow surgery, I almost said, God damn it. I, Because he has the partially torn UCL. And I thought that's that they were going to do Tommy John. And I'm like, why did you wait till February to have Tommy John? <laughs> but I looked it up. I calmed oh, down. It was just some loose bodies. Um, I guess they'll tighten them up or something. Take them out, tighten them up. What, one of those two. But yeah, Trevor May is a really good pick. Uh, Seth Lugo was a good pick, but whatever now. Uh, okay, so Jacob, you got to explain to me why why Caleb Barragard? He's listed in the uh, in the Giants AAA system. Um, what what do you see in him that uh, I'm not seeing here? Go ahead. One of my favorite pitches ever, the damn curveball. If you knew me back in the day, I was a big Barry Zito guy, and the curve his freaking curveball was disgusting. And I was actually looking his spin rate on his curveball was like 93. I don't know what drew me to that. I'm like, man. And I, I think he's going to have a spot yeah. in the bullpen. And I'm pretty sure he's going to have a spot in the bullpen because his K to walk ratio was pretty good. And plus he's a lefty, you know, lefties are fun. And plus playing in that ballpark, it might yeah. play true to him. And this ERA, it'll stay. I'll say he'll stay down in maybe low threes. Maybe he'll get into the high twos. But I think he's going to be really good. After why I did actually watch videos of him. I'm like, hey, okay, I'm liking it. Yeah, his overall curve spin is almost 3,000, which is in the 93rd wow. percentile. That shit is great. And wow. fastball act or total spin, he's in the 92nd percentile. I, I need to dig into the active spin to see 
yeah, the active spin on his four seam is great. So he is getting good ride on that fastball. Um, on the curveball, it's a little less so, but it's still so much uh, that it's breaking a lot. So, yeah, this is a guy who I'm glad Jacob talked about him because I would have never even thought to think of him. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good sneaky pick right there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you guys asked, uh, for those who missed it, uh, how do you get to uh, May? Got to go through April 1st. <laughs> Actually, April 30th, to be exact. Uh, you talked sure. about Seth Lugo. Let's move on to Craig Kimbrell. Um, bounce back candidate. Every, everybody, uh, every podcast, every baseball podcast I listen to, fantasy baseball podcast I listen to, uh, have good marks, good things to say about Craig Kimbrell. Apparently, he had a decent second half last year that I might have missed. I might have not noticed, but uh, if that's the case, in this exercise, I will take uh, the guaranteed saves with the Cubs uh, if he's uh, kind of back to normal. And then, the, but the guy I'm really excited about is Pierce Johnson, who I believe we dedicated a good uh, chunk of time to him uh, last year on in season what, one. Yeah, what did we talk about him about though? I, I can't I, even I, remember. I, remember. I remember his name coming up, but I know, uh, I know we talked about him. I, I'm, I'm just like you. I, I did the exact same look. Like why? Why? Why do we have to talk about him? Anyway, but, but yeah, high strikeout rate last year um, with the Padres. It, it seems like they found a spot for him to stay in major league baseball remember this is a failed uh, uh starting pitcher for the cubs he has found a new home as a relief pitcher for a very good padres team and a really good padres bullpen um was it the was it his fastball was, was it, it when kirby yates got hurt and we were talking about closer options in san diego maybe yeah may, uh, maybe i mean because they have emilio pagan drew pomerantz and then they got trevor rosenthal maybe that's what happened yeah that uh, might have been it but uh, yeah, he gave up on the fastball, went straight to a sinker, and uh, mostly pitches curveballs. Uh, as uh, his, fifty-five percent uh, curveball usage—that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and a sinker is no slouch. It's a, it sits and uh, it averages at about ninety-six, 96 yeah. miles per hour. Uh, what was his uh, swinging strike? Just really quick, since I'm on the page here, it was sixteen point eight percent, which is uh, a career high for him last year. Uh, still doesn't induce a lot of swings, but you know when when probably because of the curveballs i guess you could see him coming but if when he's on when he's sharp uh, he induces a lot of uh, swings swinging strikes so that's that's a big thing uh to uh come back around to your craig kimbrell he had a good second half um in september he appeared in eight games only yeah. recorded a save in one of them he pitched seven and a third innings three hits no walks 13 strikeouts so that's actually really good it dropped his era from nine it's a 5.28 at the end of the year. Oh, I mean, oh, Jesus. Uh, wow. All right. <laughs> so, uh, he was really bad to start. He gave yeah. up multiple runs in his first one, two, three, four, four games, gave up a run in the fifth game, too. It, it was painful. So it was that was painful. eight, 11 runs in his first four games. Yeah, he, he looked like he was done, but something happened in September and, you know, whatever. We'll see if he can continue that momentum. Daniel Bard, I'm assuming. Oh no, that that's not a good assumption because uh, you have a Colorado Rockies hitter right here. So Daniel Bard, you're the cheap saves in Colorado there, Sean. Yeah, I was going with the comeback story. He, I mean, he won NL Player Comeback Player of the Year. Um, obviously, if you don't know the story, he hadn't pitched in professional baseball since uh, 20, I think 13. Something like that. And then he came back. He he dealt with some demons, dealt with physical demons, mental demons. Uh, but he came back and he pitched really well. Um, I think he's one of those guys that in his off time from outside major league baseball, I'm not sure if he did go and work with anyone like driveline, but instantly seeing him come back in 2020 and being in the 99th percentile and fastball spin rate, 
he was posting like Bauer esque spin rates, um, which makes you turn your head a little bit. Um, he's got a good arsenal. He's got the kind of that starters arsenal at the back end of the bullpen, kind of like kind of like Seth Lugo. Mm-hmm. But I think he is given the chance to get saves again because he was effective for Colorado. I mean, a reliever with a 3.6 ERA and a 1.3 whip isn't something to go crazy about, but if it's consistent save opportunities, it's consistent save opportunities. Mm-hmm. All right, before we move on to our last guy and Michael Givens, uh, I guess the big news uh, pertaining to the six teams, to these six teams right here, is that James Paxton came back to the Seattle Mariners. So yep. with that being said... Would let's start with Jacob. Uh, would you take a player out of your starting rotation to make room for uh James Paxton on your team right here? Actually, I wouldn't. Wow, I, I wouldn't because Marco Gonzalez is pretty much gonna put up, I, I think he's gonna have similar numbers anyway. But Paxton, he was pretty obviously that's what got him his little paydays and with the Yankees and all that. He, he wasn't bad, but right now, no, I'm fine with it. And Sean, same question. Do you drop anybody on your starting five rotation to make room for James Paxton? Oh, that's I, I might drop Gilbert just that's because nice. Gilbert might not debut as quickly with the debut of Paxton. I know it's really ugly to go and look at his 2020 numbers and look how like the vol- forcing velocity dropped over three and a half miles an hour. And I feel like that's really drastic. And it is, but I think he's okay. He's only 32, Yeah, right? It can't and, all fall apart just yet, right? <laughs> no, as we've seen, we talk about it every single time in this, in this podcast is sometimes older is better with starting pitchers. Sometimes, not all the time. But if you look at the list of the top 10, top 15 starting uh, pitchers in fantasy, they're all like in their 30s, mm-hmm. like early 30s, like nearing 35 years old. So maybe Paxton falls into that category. Maybe he could, maybe he has enough arm strength to stay healthy for a I mean, Paxton's season. always been around 95 and a half miles an hour with this fastball. And then out of nowhere is at 92.1. I didn't know it was that drastic. I knew he lost some velocity, but that is, oh God. Oh no. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I, Maybe it gets better. I'm, I'm going to be optimistic for once. I'm never optimistic. I mean, let's, let's face it, man. Seattle is much more different than Yankee Stadium. Yeah, Yankee I'm going to put James Paxton uh, replacing Logan Gilbert. Yeah, Logan that, Gilbert from the My phone a friend. Phone yeah, a friend. That, that's a good one. And if I were to ask myself the same question, I mean, I like my team the way it's stacked. Uh, with Joe yeah. Musgrove and Noah Syndergaard, uh, I'm, I'd rather live on the, uh, on the intrigue of the Noah Syndergaard's and Joe Musgrove's of the world over James Paxton. James Paxton was one of my favorite players uh, in fantasy a long, long time ago, but uh, the times are changing. I want to take a wait-and-see approach with uh, James Paxton, but I guess we can – you know what? I'll do, this for you. I'll do this for you, Sean. I will add him to your team. Like, yes! <laughs> I just uh, Logan Gilbert slash James Paxton for those who are listening on audio only. Let's wrap this up with – um, Michael Givens uh, with the Colorado Rockies as the Rockies go back to back in this uh, last leg of this mini draft. Uh, why Michael Givens there, uh, Jacob? He's always been a solid reliever. And when you actually show you can be solid in Baltimore, you yeah. have to be worth it. <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't really get hit hard, which is big. And I think his number, you know, he's a what mid three guy. And I think it'll pretty much stay the same, even though it's in Colorado because of his delivery and you know he has what does he have like a fastball slider 
Yeah, I believe so. Uh, okay, that's what's yeah, change. Yeah, in fact, okay, I wasn't sure about the third one, but um, yeah, with his kind of stuff, I think it'll carry over in Colorado, and I think Daniel Barr will be the closer, like you guys said. But I think second in line will be Michael Givens, and he's gonna have every opportunity probably to do so, and you're gonna see him a good amount. So he'll put up some numbers for you, and that's why I went with him. All right. And that's it. That wraps it up. 60 players. Uh, we went, I think I have a bad feeling that we went way, way over. So About that's... five minutes. We're okay. Oh, okay. All right. So we went five minutes over a little bit. Uh, quick thank you to Jacob for joining us this weekend uh, as a uh, back-to-back thank uh, you. step back host. Are nice enough to join us on a Sunday morning. So I greatly appreciate you guys. You guys are always nice enough to have me on your podcast. I figure I return the favor as well. Absolutely. And with the Mets uh, being in the a topic of discussion i figured that yeah yeah that's right i figured it'd be a great opportunity to bring in jacob um let's see a podcast uh tomorrow well not tomorrow because they're off boo <laughs> city usually shows up every other monday i don't know if that's going to change in march i it better change in march because uh yeah baseball season's about to uh, get going in a little bit pitchers and catchers report this week uh i believe the orioles still have the early um what do you call it? The early uh, time, early bird special, because they are birds, they're Orioles. Uh, <laughs> February 16th, I believe, is the date last I checked. Oh, wow. Uh, the Audible also is skipping a week because it's the off season. So hoping that this is the dog days. Actually, nothing. I don't think anything's happening in, 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 uh, in football right now. But I know things ra- uh, ramp up during the draft and uh, during the new NFL year with free agency. So hoping that they get back to weekly basis in March. That's my prediction. I'm just predicting these shows. I'm, I don't know what the schedule is like. Uh, Wednesday, it's you guys. Step back as the NBA season is hot and heavy. And, yes. what is, and Kenny Anderson will be appearing on the podcast this upcoming Wednesday, correct? Yes, sir. He will be there. And tell the people what time you guys are showing up on that day. We will be on at 7 p.m. Eastern. Eastern time. You know, go check us out. You know, if you haven't, you know, join our Ballers Life group. We got great guys in there. Sean, Felipe, you guys are in there with us. You know, chugging right along. Um, we just appreciate all the love that you guys give us. You know, when you get onto our podcast, comments, everything, it means a lot. As you know, you take time out of your day. We appreciate it, but it's really nice, like I said, for Kenny to come on, and hopefully we'll have a good show. And everything's looking good. Um, I said I was been working on surprises. I always say we're gonna have some surprise. We got one. I'm just gonna keep working on it. And hopefully this is just the start of something, you know. I, I I didn't get a chance to say this to Leon, but I'll say it to you, Jacob. Since mm-hmm. you guys have taken over uh, as admins, uh, being mm-hmm. the main admins, right? Because mm-hmm. as you guys know, Henry, Randy, and I, we, and mm-hmm. I think Aaron's still an admin there. We have a lot on our plate. Absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> when I envision you guys being uh, admins, this is exactly why I envision. So I thank you for just absolutely taking that torch and running with it. I greatly appreciate that. Not a problem. As uh, the basketball group has really molded into the vision that you guys are. Are, are uh had envisioned in your minds and i really do Absolutely. greatly appreciate that thank uh, you thursday night is Corey richmond and jason brooks right that's the, yep. the second dude uh the work shoot <laughs> podcast over at wrestling life uh and then sunday mornings we start your life group podcast right here the total basis podcast with sean we'll have another special guest next week who will it be? Nobody knows. We are full of surprises. I, I don't know. I don't know. The, the, all these guests are in Felipe's head. Uh, no, no, not next week. I have no idea. Oh, okay, you, you guys, uh, should I do a sneak peek for the people or you guys want to wait till next week? We'll wait till next week. Make it yeah, a surprise. Make a surprise. Ex- you excellent. Make it excellent. All right, for Sean and Jacob, I am Felipe. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Yes, sir.